to the Thinking Pilates podcast, where show after show, we bring you a different way to think about teaching Pilates. We make you dig deep, ask the tough questions, and keep unraveling the rich layers of teaching movement. I'm Chantel Lopez, founder of Skillful Teaching, an international education company just for Pilates and movement teachers, and author of Moving Beyond Technique. I am so gratefully joined in this delightful and crazy endeavor by my sometimes co-host and podcast co-founder, master teacher, and mentor, Deborah Colway. I'm so happy to be back with Deborah Colway in this episode, episode 37. We're talking about a very interesting topic that plagues all of us to some degree from time to time, and that's comparing. Whether we're comparing yoga to Pilates, which we know is pretty common, classical to contemporary, also very common, or ourselves to others, no less common, the comparing mind can assume a state of right or wrong, that one way, one thing, or one person is inherently better than another. Uh, In this discussion, we're talking about this in terms of teaching and also as a habit of mind in general. Now, our chat leads us to ask lots of questions like, why are we compelled to compare in the first place? Or what does being on the right side of the equation buy us? I think you're going to really enjoy this thought-provoking conversation. So here we go. It all started with the conversation, you know, what's better? Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, Pilates is going to be so much better for you because yoga clearly hurt you. Yeah. And, you know. Which is anyway, just utterly you know, ridiculous. So, um, you know, we hear this a lot. And, you know, and then I just thought to myself, what's well, kind of ludicrous to compare? It's like saying, you know, should we eat or should we sleep? You know, or should we, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah. we need all of it, right? Yeah. And then I thought to myself, and even within the yoga world, whatever that, whatever we want to say that is, um, you know, there's different yogas, there's mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. aspects. And I started to think, why as a culture are we just so dang insistent that we have to hone everything into one thing that works? You know, mm-hmm, why mm-hmm. is it so hard for us to just um, let things have their own value at, at certain times? You know, the whole to everything, turn, 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 there is a season, you know, and then just how we don't need the same thing all the time. And we yeah. need variations. And yes. The whole that whole, so that was the conversation of the pitfall of comparing, I thought, as a habit of thought mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is, um, is uh, in you know, in my opinion, a pitfall because it, cultivates like I really I know this is my influence of the meditation and the Buddhism and Pema and just everything but it's so getting so much clearer to me how so much of our experience of ourselves as humans whatever we any of us it's these habits of thought mm-hmm. and um you know so if we train ourselves to have to compartmentalize and then I think it came up in the election. I never heard this term as much like binary or mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like that whole concept of having yeah. to, it's like one or the other, you yeah, know, it's like, right. and so then the whole dualistic thinking and, sure. you know, and all of that. And there's this like subtle, um, groove or not so subtle, you know, yeah, gets, yeah, yeah. Not so subtle. I'd say. Right. Yeah. So, 
and then the fear, you know, and then of course it's all fear-based because we don't trust ourselves to really know what's right for us, you know, so then we give away our power to others to tell us what to do yeah, and which thing is right for us. Yeah. But then when it doesn't work, the pitfall is also then we get to blame the thing. Yeah, yeah. And so then I thought there's an overlap there with this I with the pain conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we don't know ourselves and we don't feel like we can actually take care of ourselves. You know, and you know, started my. I mean, I thought this forever. Being a person who was always laying on the floor and exploring my own body movement, as opposed to just. I've, I've never been a person who just takes class. I always do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's, you know, a problem, if you want to call it a problem, because I don't have eyes on me necessarily. So maybe I don't get certain input. But at the same time, I've developed a relationship with myself. And it, and that's where the discernment thing comes in. You know, I so just to was me, thinking all, that. All... Here's what I want to say is that I think that the conversation, you know, you mentioned in the beginning that, you know, this idea of, uh, you know, kind of where you're the headspace that you're in and what the pro the process that you're going through. And, and also like, Oh, I've got to remember that this is a topic that, you know, when we were talking to a specific audience, but what I find so interesting is one, it does, it does all of a sudden come down to discernment again in some way, in a different way than we've talked about it before in an, another nuanced kind of level. And also that it's so relevant, really, it's so relevant. I mean, I just think about the amount of suffering <laughs> that, that teachers go through when they are trying to clearly identify for themselves where they stand in terms of what the hell does it mean classic versus contemporary. I mean, this piece alone uh, is, I feel like, really, really such a point of suffering for so many teachers, new and experienced, because they feel like they have to choose and they have to, they, they have to know what's the difference and why should I like one over the other. And I just think this is, it, you know, it's, it's totally 100% relevant to uh, our audience but then what you just said about like practicing, you know, you know, having ownership, having like training yourself or, or, you know, giving yourself permission to explore and find your own answers, you know, trusting that intuition or that inherent knowledge, you know, you mentioned, you know, like you do your own thing, you get on the floor and you explore your own body that you don't, you know, you've never been a, a class goer. And I think that's so interesting uh, because I run across this all the time where teachers and students are like, but what's the answer? What's the right way? Tell me what's it supposed to look like. What is it supposed to feel like? What's the answer? What's the right way? I need to know. And I think it's so interesting. Uh, I have not thought about it quite like this, but the way you put it about, um, you know, that we're searching for somebody to give us the answer because we don't trust ourselves enough. And I think this is, this is an issue um, for so many reasons in so many different areas of our lives. But if you think about it from a movement perspective, I've been talking and working a lot with the idea of autonomy and self-efficacy, 
the, the stages of learning and Bishop and I doing this master's program. This is, a, this is the, the root of the program is how do we transition explicitly students from, you know, a conscious incompetence to unconscious competence and beyond to that fifth stage, which is um, kind of a new thing for me. I didn't realize there was a fifth stage they're calling uh, reflective consciousness or super consciousness. So, you know, it's like, yes, how do we get students to own and deeply inhabit the work? You know, it's like, you can't just eyes on you is valuable, but at some point it can't be about what somebody else says it should be about. It has to be, it has to come from you. Otherwise, I think you're exactly right. We get to a place where it's like, well, what happens when the quote unquote right way turns out to not be useful or helpful or powerful or right. affecting yes. anymore? Yes, and I want to, yes, and the one little bit that I just want to stick in there, kind of like full disclosure, you know, like, is that um, over the years, my exploring didn't necessarily lead me to good places, but it led me. And so what, um, one of the things that I'm now, um, that I've had to become more responsible about as a teacher, and then, um, also, uh, you know, the impact that it just has on myself is the part about actually understanding the inherent body design, mm-hmm. our physical body design. Mm-hmm. And so that it's not just instinct or intuitive, mm-hmm. but there's actually something that we can, we can kind of um, focus or guide us, which is that our, that our body has a, has a, a rightness, if you want to use that word, to it in the sense that the more balanced, the more integrated, the more aligned relative to gravity, you know, the there's always crazy, wonderful stories about people who can do incredible things with bodies that totally are unusual, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, but the, but that the, the structure of the actual structure, um, you know, Eric Franklin talks about having a longer shelf life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when you, you know, when, you know, that the body, if, 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 if you use it and move it as close as possible to its original design. So anyway, the point being that it's not yoga's fault or Pilates fault or synchronized swimming's fault. I don't know. Right. Any, any <laughs> method, any form, any, anything it's nobody's fault Mm -hmm. it's that um we get out of whack for whatever the reasons Mm -hmm. and then and it's like a long time coming and then we go to these things to feel better to fix ourselves to alleviate the problem or whatever it is and you know to use a really old analogy that i you know been thinking for years it's like when you're going to paint your house and you need to scrape and spackle, <laughs> you know, before you put the new coat of paint on. Yeah. Right, Otherwise, exactly. the old crap just bubbles up, sure. you know? And so, um, and so that, so there is a, it's not just out there. It's, mm-hmm. um, 
it's the awareness and the knowing and the, the trust, you can actually explore it with the kind of, with that support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, the support, the simple support that, oh, it's so weird to say this out loud, like, but, you know, what is it to be a human being with a human structure? Like, I always laugh with, the, with, the, with my students, you know, you're, we're not a tree. <laughs> and we're not a car, you know, we're, we're this, this structure and it's unique because it has this both mechanical, functional, mechanical aspect potential mm-hmm. and also all the, um, organic, you know, and other aspects and then the infusion of, of spirit, you know, mm-hmm. so, and, um, and the alive, the thing that makes us you know, different than an alive tree (laughs) or an alive or even a cat, Mm -hmm, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. as wonderful as it is to date, you know, say natural movement and we, you know, we want to go back to looking at how, you know, and animals and things like there's a wonderful nest to that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we're, but I'm, I'm not a cat and I'm, and I'm not a bird. That's right. I could be bird like, (laughs) you know, but I'm actually a, a human. And what the heck is that, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, there's in. And so the, and so it's, yeah. No, I just think it's fascinating. I mean, I think it's fascinating. And I think, you know, we're talking, you know, at this point, kind of in a general way, but I, I suspect that those of you who are listening can kind of glean a, a, a sense of like, oh yeah, this, this, how this applies to anything that we are trying to attain, right? Anything. You know, and and particularly when we feel like we're needing to choose between one thing or another, what's the right, right. thing for me now? Yeah. Um, what's so fascinating is, and then like, what do we want to do? Like, what do you want to literally do with your life? I mean, it keeps coming back to this for me. Mm-hmm. What do we do Pilates for? What are we? What is all the? You know, I, like you know, I talk about the pitfall of comparing. It's kind of like the folly of (laughs) self-improvement all these things just like very um insidious is that the word i want Mm. they get under our head they get in our head and they um they do something to us you know it's like (laughs) self-improvement and it's it's very tricky to talk about because you know you know because are you are you not a lifelong learner don't you want to be a lifelong learner? You know, it's like all these terms that are like in, in our culture. Mm-hmm. Like, which one do I align with? Mm-hmm. You know, am I okay? Yeah. Well, Either I, way, you know, all of that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting that comparison, <laughs> the comparison, the, the you know, bringing the self-help uh, thing into it because I think it's, again, it's just another place where we can maybe apply this, this, this thoughtfulness, um, a couple of things I just want to share, which is, you know, um, you're talking about, so based on our kind of progression of conversation, uh, the idea that it's, you know, it, it is not just intuition and it's not just about, you know, uh, exploring kind of without guidance or insight or outside knowledge that, you know, really 
it's important to, to be able to understand, to be given uh, feedback and, and information that we don't have that insights, greater awareness, you know, uh, more articulate questioning um, influences our choices, whether that's, you know, uh, on the kind of micro level of do I choose to inhale here or bend my knee now or, or the macro level of, you know, choosing you know, do I go to Pilates tonight or yoga tonight or whatever the choice might be so that there's this, this interesting and important balance that maybe we're not consciously holding for ourselves around developing trust. And this just came up last night was responding to some of the teachers in the master's program. And it's like, at some point the, the thing is, you know, you've built your skill, you've, you've done your practice and now, and now you have to trust the process. You have to trust yourself because you have had the input. You know, it's like that balance of those two things. And then when you said, you know, it's like, yes, you know, natural, organic, kind of animalistic uh, movement is amazing. It's helpful, you know, really promoting functional, uh, you know, positive compensation and the ability to move in and out of alignment and to have, you know, as many, you know, variations of, of movement and breath as possible, but we aren't cats. And I was reading something, um, just the other day from a book called the teaching brain, which is written by Vanessa Rodriguez. And she's talking about a, um, an idea called theory of mind and it's a, um, you know, it's a psychological, you know, kind of comes from that, uh, science, those sciences, uh, that it's our ability, theory of mind is our ability. It's a unique, like the research shows now that it, it's a very unique quality in human beings that we effort intuitively to understand someone else's behavior, to understand the reasons for their actions to understand their mind, their motivation. That's a very natural, inherent human function that animals don't have. And I think that's the difference, right? That's the, that's the holding, like the searching for knowledge, for information, for feedback, for somebody else's perspective, objective, you know, vantage point, merging with our own insight and intuition you know, and those two things coming together, uh, so that it, I don't know, so that maybe at some point we do get to a place where we don't need something to be right or wrong, right? It can just be the direction we go in, right? For the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, and that, that that direction that we go in for the moment, moving in just period the end, like that direction that we go into is the necessary action to show us what's next, what's yeah. next, mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. next, instead of um, tapping it, you know, and just saying this is what I do and this is how I do it and. Yeah. This works for me. Yeah. yeah um, and again, I, I think that it's, um, it, it seems to take a certain kind of energy um, and lack of inertia 
which, you know, again, we go through phases in our lives mm-hmm. where we where we can handle more input mm-hmm. without becoming overloaded. And there's phases in our lives where we need to pull back and, you know, set up stronger boundaries or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, the, uh, being willing to, to be, to take the feedback that comes next, like things as an experiment, mm-hmm. um, not, uh, like walk, like walking into a new situation and just letting it tell you something. Yes. Instead of walking into a situation with a preconceived idea of what you want to get out of it. Absolutely, that's the pre the prejudgment of is this going to be right or wrong, right, good or bad, like that. That that's the ultimate objective, and not. And then how do you know? Like I always have this. I remember this a long time ago when I first started teaching on my own. Um, I had my own little first in-home studio, and I got this call one time, you know, from this guy, and he's like, "All my friends are doing Pilates." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like it was like everyone's doing it now. You know, it's the thing to do. So I want to come do Pilates. You know, mm-hmm, and I just mm-hmm. thought, oh boy. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. That yeah. was the motivation. It was like it was the it's the new good thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I want to do it. Yeah. Of course, you know. Then you have your experience that you have. Like I don't know why that came up just now, but I. Just think <laughs> <of that. sighs> oh, I you know to bring us. Back. I want to be in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the in crowd, the doing the right yeah. thing, right? The popular thing. The popular yeah. thing, yeah, the fad, the thing that's uh, everybody is, you know, crazy about. That's that that I think that's relevant though. I mean, it's relevant. It's because it's the drive is to be right or wrong, right? I want to be right. I want to be in the in crowd. I want to be accepted. I want to be doing what everybody else is doing because clearly, it's the right thing to do. I think you know. It's and then the relevant. and then the and then the thing that I find also happens and this is painful for people too like you you just you talked about it a little bit earlier is that if I notice that I want to make a change I want to do something else I don't I don't want to be only in that club anymore how can I do that new endeavor with then not having to turn on the other one and say well that doesn't that's wrong yeah, you know, yeah. Because I want to go to this other thing, and so that's the that's what I'm talking about—the pitfall of comparing. I Absolutely. Like. Yeah, and I think if you're we're right. doing, you know, yeah. Yeah, there's there's suffering in the needing to know, and then there's potential suffering and pain in the oh, I I I want to do it differently. So I'm either I either was wrong before or. My or you have to be wrong. Yeah, or you right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that it's so interesting, and and you know it's like so. What comes up for me again is this idea of discernment, and that you know maybe we would be doing ourselves a kindness by allowing ourselves to show up in this way that you're talking about, which is to just see to be open to what unfolds to the exploration. And because it shifts, it does shift. And you, just as you said something a minute ago, I was thinking it's about the phase that you're in. And then you said it's about the phase that you're in. <laughs> and I thought, yes, 
you know, cause sometimes, and I think this is what, this is what discernment is, right? It's like sometimes where we're at is that we need somebody to say, what's the framework, you know, give me the information, give me something to follow. I, I need, I need clarity and I need simplicity so that I can move forward in a way that feels safe and, you know, held and, and not, you know, maybe I don't have to um, contribute as much to the knowing. And then sometimes, you know, and, and then it's like, it's an orbit, right? Then the next half of the orbit is the transition to discerning for ourselves, questioning, mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. the, taking what's been given to us and going, okay, how, how now does this feel like it's helpful to me, useful? Where is this information taking me? Um, is it a, a path I want to follow? How do I want to edit it, evolve it? You know, and so that then becomes the the season of, um, of you know, intuition and trusting ourselves and and taking what we've been giving and given and making it our own. It's like this beautiful this beautiful process that we're kind of always in that I think we don't we don't allow for. You know, and I, I was just. I think, you know, uh, what something was just coming up. Well, I think maybe just this a couple of times recently, I've spoken to teachers doing a lot of one-on-one coaching recently. And the teachers, there are a couple of teachers, uh, so sweet and so well, you know, like just so much passion for what they're doing and trying so hard to identify for themselves where do I stand? What camp am I in? What does it mean to be a classical teacher. And it, it, is that my flag that I'm going to wave, you know, or am I a contemporary teacher? And I think there's something for me that I'm recognizing. I mean, I have recognized it for a while, but in, in relationship to this topic specifically, it's like, I, I have always felt one, I'm, I'm not a black and white kind of person. I don't think in black and white. I don't feel like there's a right way or a wrong way for most things. Um, and I'm also have this tendency to be fad averse. So it's like, I don't, I have some hesitancy in like just jumping on the bandwagon because everybody says that like, Oh, this is the thing. Um, but what I also recognize in myself is that I don't really have a strong desire for something to be the thing. Like, I don't have a strong desire for Pilates to be the end-all or be-all. I don't have a strong desire personally to be a classic. Like, I don't need to be defined by being a classical or contemporary teacher. I really love the value and the, the passion and the potency that those things, you know, like the essence of those things can bring to me. I mean, the bottom line, I think, is just that I think it's liberating to be willing to enter something without being, you know, without needing to be fully identified by it. Yeah. I guess that's the bottom line. In what you're saying, you know, um, is that given the topic, um, which I'm not sure we've identified entirely, but, you know, I think it's like each of us, to just, just, haha, take responsibility <laughs> for our motivation, for our motivation, like taking it a step further and saying, not, and, and 
acknowledging for ourselves um, our needs, our desires, our motivation, whatever they are in this moment, knowing that they might change, as most things do, mm-hmm. and just copying to that. It's like, well, for this period of my life, I am very committed to, let's just use this framework, the classical repertoire or what I learned from so-and-so. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm, uh, I'm in the studio where that's what they want to do. And, you know, I am learning a lot by being in this environment, and that's valuable. And I'm yeah. going to milk this experience for what it's worth yeah. because... Um, because there's richness, there's potential richness in all of it. That's absolutely. what I'm saying. Yeah, the pitfall of having to compare, which doesn't mean that we're just all, um, oh, what's that thing like they used to say about people? You were either a jack of all trades, master of none. You know mm-hmm, that thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know how, and that was like a, that was like a, that was like not cool. That wasn't good. Like, yes. Don't be a jack of all trades, master of none. Yes, right. You know? And so I guess I'm dating myself with these kinds of, um, you know, because <laughs> no. you know, who says that anymore? I don't know. But, um, but, you know, it's all, that's my point is like, celebrate, celebrate what you're into. And then, if, you know, then do something else. And, yeah. that's, and, and the something else doesn't have to be dissing the thing you just did. I mean, that's yes, where the right. suffering comes in. It's like, like, it's all so, there's so much richness, mm-hmm. and each experience is an experience, and it's all part of this life path mm-hmm. that we're on, why I'm so up on all this, right, like, why this is in me and churning is definitely related to the experience that we're all in relative to the political climate and mm-hmm. the and the bipartisanship, you know, and the need to claim a side. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think that the, the trickiness of that, but there is this, you know, if you're, if you're committed to peace and nonviolence, there is, again, I want to go back to what the inroads that our mind, the, the trenches that get dug in our habits of thinking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when when we keep making ourselves have to constantly choose is this is it this or is it this yeah mm-hmm. and it and I guess I just really want to try to be clear that I'm not saying there that there's not a place for that also mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but when it goes sour is when we, like, okay, I'm just going to, I realize this, okay, Tema Children said to me one time, you know, I'm going to name drop here. She (laughs) literally said to me, Deborah, the problem is not having your opinions or your preferences. She said, everyone has opinions. Everyone has preferences. She said, the difficulty lies when it separates you from others like when you have those opinions or those preferences does having those make you able to stay more open and present with each other Mm -hmm. or does it shut the door does it shut you down and not allow you to 
listen and yeah. be with. And that, that to me is the kind of driving, part of what drives me to constantly contemplate these things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that uh, feels really relevant for me because I can immediately recognize places in my life where my opinions and preferences have alienated me, you know, and have left me less than open to be kind, you know, and it's, it's, it's interesting. It's such a great question, I think. Um, and hopefully just presents maybe a little bit to chew on for people like where, where in your life, um, are you compelled to seek the right answer, the right way, the right thing, you know, where in your life or your work or your teaching or your relationships are you compelled to compare in order to land on the right side, you know, um, and this idea of the habit of mind, you know, the, the habitual thoughts of needing to choose or needing to be right. I mean, I think there are just so many places where we can explore that for ourselves, right, in and outside of mm -hmm. our work. So I wonder, I mean, I, I feel like, um, this is a great conversation to continue next time, Deborah, explicitly around, um, pain and yeah. yeah. So I would That's like to, next, yeah. yeah, I would like to do that. And, and I think we just leave it at this. We just leave it a little open ended okay. and let people, okay like stew yeah. a little percolate yeah. yeah well okay you know it's always it's always just such a um delightful experience our conversations and i hope people enjoy them as much as we seem to <laughs> yeah i just well i there's so many interesting things to talk about and i um and I appreciate the opportunity so much because, uh, you know, I do, I, I recognize, again, it's, there's a time and a place for everything. And we do put our teacher hat on, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and for obviously how we feel about that role and that responsibility and that place, um, changes, um, obviously, I'm older now and it's changed for me. I remember a podcast we did kind of a while back where um, part of what we talked about was uh, just the, like how when I was a new teacher and I was also very much still influenced by my performance training, mm -hmm. you know, that you wouldn't, you don't share yourself at all. You know, you get out there, you leave your troubles in the dressing room, you get out there and you give them a good performance, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And over the years, you know, when we talked about that a little bit, what I felt like the toll that that took on me, the exhaustion, you mm -hmm. know, and um, how things like that, you know, they, 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 those kind of things change. And um, I know we're wrapping up, but if it's all right, I, I just, I want to say one more thing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, which is the, um, this idea of... Um, Exploring, experimenting with whatever it is. Um, there's 
something about, again, like being a human, being a tree, being whatever <laughs> organism that we are, that if, like, we talk about how the habit of mind entrenches, and so there's like a pathway that our thinking habitually goes mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. that we that if we want to go on a different path, we have to consciously, purposefully start practicing another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, with our literal cells in our body, um, the, the doing of something over time actually infiltrates our cells. It absorbs. It's like leaving the tea bag in longer, you know, and so you're you're steeped. It tastes different the longer you leave the tea bag in, you know. And so your experience, our experience of 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 like a like a level of embodiment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so that that actually is um, part of the information that we're gaining by doing the practices and taking the time to actually notice. The change, not just, oh, my back doesn't hurt anymore or my ankles are more flexible, but literally, you know, we I think we've talked about this, but that as our cellular structure changes, our brains change and our outlook changes and that's the person who's making the next decision, the next decision, the next decision. It's, it's not separate. Mm-hmm. None of it is, it, none of it is separate, you know? Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed this exploration of comparing preferences and opinions and how they might be supporting you in your life, teaching and relationships or not. In our next conversation, Deborah and I are going to continue this discussion and take it into looking at our relationship to pain. It seems obvious, I think, to say that, of course, we all prefer not to be in pain, but what happens when we resist pain, push it away, or label it as something inherently bad, something to avoid at all costs? How does this preference influence our actual experience of pain? Now, this is a big conversation, and we're looking forward to diving into it in a couple of weeks, and we hope you'll join us for that. In the meantime, our next episode, episode 38, is also an exciting one. It's the launch of our bi-weekly co-hosting with James Crater. That episode will come out on Wednesday, April 12th, and uh, lots of good stuff in general coming your way. So to finish up this episode, let's talk about our heroes and pro tips. Our hero for this episode is Sarah Raymond and her podcast, The Mindful Movement. Sarah and I have done some work together through Skillful Teaching, and she's always really impressed me with a strong vision and a purpose for her teaching, her studio, and the way she supports her teachers. In November of last year, Sarah launched the Mindful Movement podcast, and it really is a wonderful addition to anybody's resource library, whether you're a teacher or not. The Mindful Movement podcast is for anyone who wants to explore the quiet side of being, of teaching, of moving who wants to develop a meditation practice potentially or cultivate a strong sense of self-care. I think you're really going to enjoy Sarah and the podcast offerings, which also include short videos. So you can learn more about the Mindful Movement podcast at themindfulmovement.com. So get signed up for that. Check it out on iTunes. 
And last but not least, our pro tip for episode 37, which is um, more of a, uh, a request, uh, I guess, or a, a challenge. And that challenge is to find one way in your next session or class to not compare. What this likely looks like is to first notice where you do compare. In teaching, it's really not that hard to find a place where we have a preference for something to be done a certain way or to see a movement as right or wrong. So take this one thing and see what it would be like to just let it be. What could it teach you? What might you be able to see differently without your attachment to having it be a certain way or look a certain way? For example, maybe you have a strong opinion about bird on a perch or prehensile foot position in footwork being set just under the ball of the foot rather than in the center of the arch, which is my preference. Maybe you're typically pretty adamant about the foot being in this particular position and you have all your reasons why this is better than being on the arch of the foot. But the request or the challenge is to just drop all of your knowing and your opinions about it this one time, allow the foot to be on the arch or not, and notice what happens in the ankle, the knee, the leg, the pelvis. How does your student respond overall? How does this position change the ease or the effort? So here's a, here's a caveat. Don't search for all the ways you can prove yourself right. Searching for all the ways in which being in a certain position is better than being in the current position. Instead, be aware of all the ways in which you could be proved wrong. And that's what scientists do. They put forth a hypothesis, and then they work to prove themselves wrong. We don't typically do that as humans. We put forth an idea, a belief, or a hypothesis, and what we're looking for are ways to affirm or confirm our belief. So it'll be an interesting experiment, I think, but one that um, is bound to produce some really interesting results. It can also be a little uncomfortable, but try to enjoy the freedom it creates. Listen and be open. Really, life is pretty boring if you're right all of the time, so this is a great opportunity to spice things up. You can reach us at thinkingpilatespodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to the next time. Until then, breathe deep and teach well. All the things that make you sing and tap your little toe.